We are CEOs, executives, educators, and professionals from all sectors of society who support the global expansion of betterment in the world through joy and joyly. I'm your host, Cheryl Lynn, founder of the Chair of Joy Experience. Together, we have developed the World Council of Joy, and our council invites CEOs and innovators from impactful organizations to the Joyly podcast. We showcase how generous, bold, and fully engaged they are in their work and what a culture of joy is to them. Today, we have the pleasure of having Nan and Harold Klein on the show. Nan and Harold Klein, a few years ago, decided to create some compelling program demonstrating the magic of the human spirit in overcoming life's trials and realizing accomplishments. The goal? Bring viewers from tears to cheers with an appreciation of the entrepreneurial behavior. The documentary they created is called Trauma to Triumph. Nan was one of the first female executives at the International Bank Manufacturers Hanover. Harold was an entrepreneur at age seven. Together, this duo built a video production company that has now produced over 4,500 videos and counting. Over the years, this incredible duo met Bernie Goldhirsch as the visionary of Inc. Magazine. The world of entrepreneurial communications blossomed for their company, Teletime. The productions has allowed them to interview hundreds of some of the most exciting founders in the world. Welcome, Nan and Harold Klein. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning, Nan. Good morning, Harold. How are you today? Morning. I've been looking forward to this show for so long, so I'm very excited to have you here. Um, You were referred to me by my good friend, Michael Bees, and uh, so we have learned recently of uh, the movie that you're working on, which is uh, Trauma to Triumph. So I'm excited to talk to you about that in just a minute, but as you know, the world is a little bit upside down, not too much, but a little maybe, and um, I think um, just doing some evaluation on your work over the years and uh, what it is that we focus on, which is when we give more attention to something that feels good, mm-hmm. right? That we get more of what feels good. So over mm-hmm. the years, you have done so much amazing video in your work in Teletime Video. And you've had clients, um, MasterCard, uh, American Express, Apple, um, the National Academy Foundation, the Charles Penzone Salons, Children's Place. So I just want to let people know that you've done a lot of work in a lot of genres. So what has been the thing that you've noticed as a, as a sort of thread between all of them? I feel hope. What is it that you guys see? Harold, you go first. Well, I think that there's a thread of persuasion. And that persuasion can find its destiny in hope and hopefully change and growth in the people that are watching our programs. So when I say persuasion, it goes, let's say we do work for an American Express or an ADP. We're crafting a program where we persuade the viewer to come on board with whatever American Express or ADP is selling. Now, developing those skills or Estee Lauder or Chanel, it could be beauty and they're in hope for the client, you know, if they're standing at a counter in Bloomingdale's, their skin is going to look better and they're going to look younger and they're going to feel good. So having developed those skills initially through these corporate videos and commercials, 
the hope that we have is that our work ultimately makes a difference for good. So we have had the great privilege of doing work for many nonprofits and hospitals and young people. And you might know Steve Mariotti, the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, where we're crafting something. It might be educational, but we have to persuade them to view and then to buy into the education and retain it. And by retaining it and applying it, uh, let's say in the case of Steve Mariotti and the Net Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, these young adults will have a brighter future. They don't necessarily have to start a business, but they will be more college and career ready and also ultimately uh, be there for their community and be leaders for their community. So we used all those skills in telling a story. You know, we could be selling a car, but we're now transferring it to what we do to better people and make an impact in people's lives. I totally get that. I watched many of your videos and over the years, they've been just, you know, you get down into the dirt or, or into the into the realness of who people are. And I think that's incredibly uh, a talented skill to tell a story like that. Nan, what would you say is, uh, is the thing that uh, in, has been the inspiration in your work the most or inspired you and others is my guessing question. I think it's twofold. Uh, firstly, as far as the work, we're offering to students that entrepreneurship is not just opening a business, it's a career. So we're giving students, we're giving uh, those that are going into their second lives, retired people, we're giving them opportunities to recognize the entrepreneur within themselves. Secondly, a very big thing for myself, and I think Harold will agree, through the years of owning and running Teletime Productions, we have provided careers for many, many young people who thought the only way to make a living with video would be to work for a studio, a television network, and we offer them an alternate, because not everyone's going to get that cushiony job. Uh, we offered them an, an opportunity, and we trained them, and we gave them livelihoods and put bread on their table, which I'm very, very proud and gives me a lot of joy. Absolutely. I would like to hear the colliding moment when the two of you decided uh, you were going to do this amazing project. I, I, I read about it or, lear or learned about it online. You're like, uh, Nan, you're like, uh, Harold, what are you really going to do in life to make money if we're going to get married? <laughs> when, when, when you when you say when you say project, you mean teletime video or yes. the project? So it was uh, we were dating. I picked Nan up at a red light in Brooklyn. <laughs> OK, she was driving a hot rod Mustang and I had a little Fiat and I handed her a note, call me. And she did. And that ended up into a boyfriend, girlfriend situation. And we were both going to Brooklyn College and I was trying to cruise through college, taking what I thought were the easiest courses. And that was Brook that was television and radio and film. And then one day and the Brooklyn College quad, Nan's looking at me. We know that we're going to get married one day. She says, so what are you going to do when you uh, like get out of college to make a living for us? I said, you can't going to be a big time producer, director. She goes, really? So I set out to uh, try and prove that I was right. So I did some market research and I went to employment agencies back then in 1976 
there was no video. There was video, but only on television, right? Yes. And I went to employment agencies, and the, the waiting rooms were loaded with people. When I finally got in, there was nothing for a, a college graduate, really, to gain. And I actually even went to called studios out of town, and then there was one offer in the Carolinas for maybe minimum wage, you know, in a town that it would be very different than New York. Yes. Um, not as much offered, and uh, it wasn't for me. And we were going out to a film one night in New York City, and we passed the ABC building, and there was a guard outside. I went over to him, and I said, uh, you know, what, is, what does it take to get inside the building? You know, like a job, right? And he goes, I don't know. It's been seven years. I've been trying. And then... And then I said, oh, my God. Now, just for more background, my father, may he uh, rest in peace, was a Holocaust survivor. And my mom took us to see him at work. He was a tailor uh, in the garment center in New when New York had a garment center and clothes were being made there. And we had seen him literally in a sweatshop, you know, behind sort of a cage and sweat. It was terrible. And the image never left me. And when he was 65, 66 years old, he started his own little company, a manufacturing company in New York, and he named it Harold and Arthur, Harold, my brother. And I wanted no part of it because of that. I was terrified by it. And so when I started realizing I'm not going to get a job and I certainly don't want to go into my father's business, um, I was a waiter in a restaurant, an Italian restaurant, making you know nice money on the weekends, but sort of trauma hit me then not trauma like the people that we feature in our series but I went into depression and didn't eat and didn't shave but I still my mother made me go to school and, I, and one day in college uh, Professor Gemelos held up this big machine it was called a porter pack it looked like a reel-to-reel -reel recorder and he said this just came out and you could record video and play it on a monitor Yes. You know, and it was portable. So I said, oh, I have an idea. So I had an idea that sparked an idea to do retail displays with video because it would be an attraction. Like you pass a store and you see a clothing that's inside the store on a TV set. How would that happen? Because yeah. people, there was no idea what video was. So Nan and I took out a loan and we started what was Teletime Video. And that was the moment and when we ended up in malls and uh, we would stand in front of the monitor playing in stores and anybody looked like a business person, we would approach and say, what kind of business are you in? <laughs> and then we try to get an appointment and say, hey, listen, want to bring video into your business? And now there was no video. So if we did video for a company, we had to give them our machine. Yeah. Because there was Betamax was just yeah. coming out. Talk about cutting edge and being on the forefront of something spectacular. Nan, where in the world have you has this business taken you that has given you the most joy? Have you traveled with it or what's, what's the thing? Have, we have traveled. We've traveled out of the country, uh, a lot of in the country. And we met people that were so inspiring. You know, sometimes you think living in New York and in a big or in any big city that if you go to a small town, you know, what do they have? How am I going to learn from them? How's my audience going to learn from them? But instead, it's always been so enlightening. And, and you learn so much because you know, maybe they don't have the museums that we have, but they certainly are, 
you know, articulate and uh, business savvy. And, uh, you know, that that's been that's been a big joy for me. Great. Awesome. And what's been the biggest joy from uh, tra- Trauma to Triumph for you in shooting this? And I watched Bill and, and Sam. I didn't have not watch the female version uh, part yet. But what I just man, getting into those stories is just hugely. Um, well, you can't believe um, how brave people are. Right. And the stamina that they have. And sometimes they take it from their past, like Sam, uh, the, one of the psychologists on our program that we interviewed, Tova Friedman, and and uh, she said he took his anger and turned it into power, her, his persuasiveness, his willpower. Most of us, including myself, I you know when I think back and I think about. Sam's story and other Holocaust stories and other wars that the United States has been entered and, and our soldiers have gone through, you know, Bill and Sam. I can't imagine being in their footsteps. You know, a lot of us get a hangnail and the world is coming to an end or we stub our toes. But their toe stubbing was life changing. And in the case of uh, Bill Vandegrift, when he came back from Vietnam, you know, he became an alcoholic. He married, but he had children that had such challenges. And with all of that, he greets you with a smile on his face. His home is your home. His heart is your heart. He looks after me now. He calls me. How's the family? How's the old man doing? Oh, <laughs> Harold, this must have been the, one of the biggest projects of your life. Am I guessing that? Maybe you could just tell me a little bit about where it ignited from, you know, maybe some of the people that uh, helped you out with uh, Steve Mariotti and et cetera, and just kind of um, expound on the profoundness of this movie. We've done bigger things that, for example, a project, let's say, for the United States Postal Service, which required uh, years to do, but probably nothing bigger in terms of potential impact than what this has. And it was certainly a very big project, bigger than the budgets. Um, Nan and I gave a lot. And in fact, every player on this program, every team player on on the program from the production team gave more than we asked for. Why it's profound, I I think what was really cemented it for me was the the night at the 92nd Street Y when we saw the response from a very accomplished audience and Eric Schoenberg, the CEO of Inc. Magazine and Fast Company and all their media products, who has been, he's from CNBC, he's been through, you know, he's been, he has many years of experience in the business world, entrepreneurship world. And he said something like, for 45 years, Inc. Magazine has been reporting, enhancing the nobility of entrepreneurship and enabling entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams. Tonight, I learned that entrepreneurship will also help you overcome your nightmares. So, wow, what a statement. What a statement. And um, why, you know, I get the chills thinking about it. There's so many levels to gratification here. There are different ideas. The gratification is that when you see people saying, I never thought of it that way. Um, When you see another entrepreneur who's seen the program saying that 
I have, you know, I'm miserable. I, you know, every entrepreneur thinks the world's coming to, not every, but entrepreneurs could think the world's coming to an end when a client doesn't pay a bill or something, somebody doesn't show up for something. Um, this stabilizes them because you see other people that have gone through far worse than you have. And, and then you say, you know, hey, it's inspiration. I can do this. Then there's a greater appreciation of entrepreneurs. Then there are people that might say, you know, I, it doesn't have to be business. Like one of the women who had cancer on the women's program, how she dealt with that. And she rose and she took, she didn't fall victimhood to her cancer. In fact, it let her drive her yes. into, into accomplishment. And I'm sure going with the nature of your program, great joy in what she's doing for other women by displaying this story. Absolutely. Absolutely. That gives me goosebumps too. Mm-hmm. Thinking about, you know, Steve just getting the whole, if he started though, based on his own bullying when he that's was right. a young man. So that's very, very powerful. Nan, what is the biggest takeaway that you took from this particular project? And while you're sharing, would you mind just telling everybody where we can find the film right now? Sure. Well, we have a website. It's called Trauma to Triumph Films with an S at the end.com. You can access previews there and then certainly you can watch the full film but it's also going to be on pbs around the country it is on right now pbs and world so if you access your guides you'll be able to find it but cheryl i just want to add and i would be remiss because we are concentrating so much on bill and sam because that was the survivors of war was shown at the 92nd street y but i'm just going to also give you a little um, entree into the women's program. Uh, one featured person is Maria, and Maria never told her story. And when you asked earlier, what gives me the most pride or the most joy? I was able to work with Maria to tell her story, and it changed her life. She shared her story with her daughter, who, who was um, not even a teenager yet. She shared the story with all other members of her family who never knew it. Mm. She said how much sharing the story with us and our cameras took such a load off her shoulders. Let me just emphasize, enhance what Nan said. When she says her story, not her, just her story to rise um, and overcome, but there were, I won't reveal it here because people got to watch it. But she had horrific incidents happen to her growing up in the Dominican Republic. Not even something, things that you could believe. And she never revealed it. And because of Nan talking to, we, we wanted to feature her just based on her bio. You know, a, a Hispanic woman coming here at a very young age. She was pregnant. She got divorced. She had nothing. She learned how to speak English on her own beautifully. And, and then it goes on and on and on and on. But she never revealed what was revealed in this video until mm-hmm. Nan spoke to her through the weeks prior to shooting. It is, it's a wow. And, and then she, she talks about what it was like to let that go. So 90% of people who start a business fail in America. Would you agree with that? Um, I, I think it's a very, I don't know if that's the. Startup, of the startup. Yeah, it's. I think within five years, yeah, it's something after five years, it's it's probably number like that. 
Yes, because the the energy, the commitment, the perseverance, all the perseverance, all the things that you talked about can beat you up, right? And just having the faith in what it is that you started can teeter based on challenges and obstacles and cash flow and everything. So Nan, what would you say to uh, people? I know when I watched it, I was moved. I was like, man, if they can do it, I can do it, right? And so what would you say to young entrepreneurs that are you know, thinking about whether they should watch this or not if they're hearing this podcast for the first time? Well, one thing that I have to um, mention is that during this pandemic, uh, I think a lot of people looked in the mirror and they looked at themselves and they said, do, what do I want to be? What do I want to do? So a lot of businesses started up. What I've learned from other entrepreneurs, not just this program, but the many, many, many entrepreneurs that we've interviewed since the 1980s, I've learned that if you do encounter failure, start again. Mm. Don't let the failure keep you down. Um, I think another (laughs) which is is crucial is when you start a business, you have to have at least two years to be able to support yourself. Because not everyone is going to get that project and get funded by Shark Tank. (laughs) So you have to be, in order to give yourself a fair shot, you have to have the support for yourself and your business financially. Yes, absolutely. And Harold, do you have anything to say to that to young entrepreneurs? I know that Napoleon Hill says, you know, that we have to have faith and we have to have a affirmation and we have to converse to ourselves and actually ingrain it into our DNA. So I work on that every day. I've built three successful businesses and uh, starting Joyly is a it's a new thing. I was inspired to hear that um, uh, Sam started. Was it Sam that you said started his company at sixty-five? No, who was it? No, that was my father. Uh, Your father. I apologize. Sixty-six. He yeah, had to close it at sixty-eight because his <laughs> health got a, a, a compromised. But he started a store at sixty-eight <laughs> in Brooklyn. He couldn't handle the plant and all the employees, and he started having blood pressure, all kinds of problems. And the doctor yeah. said, "You'll die. You continue." So we sold the machines and started another business. We were in sixty-eight. Awesome. Yeah, so, so the Mets. Yeah, based on your wisdom, I'd love to hear some advice for for entrepreneurs or new businesses. I'm not sure it's wisdom as much as experience uh, and awareness of the young population today. Um, they're very used to having it now and being satisfied immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't go well with starting and growing a business. You're signaling that you know it takes away from. Uh, after five years, it's it's toiling. For them, toil could be after a few days of rejections. Okay. It doesn't work like that. And I don't believe they're conditioned. I think a lot of people are not, condi- like Nan says, and you fall, you're going to fail. And the failure, as Mike Rubin, who started a sports company and now is a billionaire, when we interviewed him for, for one of the first programs that we did with Steve. He was 23 and he had a $100 million company. Now he has a multi-billion dollar company in the sports world. But he says failure is the next bridge to success. And uh, you, you have to be prepared, even though we've been doing it for 45 years, you know, I still look at rejection and say, oh, no, I missed that. But I know that even though so many people told us no, um, we do, we've done a lot of work with Estee Lauder, and there's this great lady, Ida Stewart, um, who was Mrs. Lauder's right-hand person for over 40 years and a vice president of the company, a Southern lady. 
And she said, we had her as a speaker once at an event. And she says, you know, when somebody tells you N-O, no, you take that little old word and turn it around. It's O-N, because when somebody says no, you on. <laughs> and that's really how the way you have to look. And sometimes people are going to say, Harold, you got to stop. Okay. Okay. What did I do wrong? And then I'll continue again. But um, you, you got to keep going. And you got, you know, you remember the great comedian Don Rickles? Yeah, he was one of the great comedians of the of the last uh, hundred years. Really, one of the great ones. And I remember seeing him in a show, and he told the, he told the audience, he said, "I was thrown out of uh, cafes and theaters, at, you know, for twenty years. He was beaten up in back alleys for twenty years, and he kept at it. And then he became a, a world star. So you know, sometimes it's yes, you have to have that tenacity." Sometimes your product might, might not be right. You know, you have to know. Very interesting. Very interesting. So I would be remiss to not ha- to not uh, share with you the chair of joy experience. So you being the 40 some odd years in business filled with joy. It's just permeating through the airwaves right now. I can feel <laughs> an awesome life. Would you agree? You've lived an awesome life. You've, you've loved all the choices you've made. Tremendous gratitude. I don't love all the choices. I've made, <laughs> but uh, they, they led me in a, a different directions. And so ultimately, yes. Yes. Yeah, so I, sometimes you wouldn't change, change those things, even though they are maybe were a little difficult. So um, everyone, every, every uh, movement choice is a, is a movement toward the, the place where you are now, which is look at the project you just created. So I encourage right, everyone. I just, I, I just have to add that uh, a big part of our joy as well is Harold and I, as you know, our husband and wife and partners um, in this wonderful program and business that we've had throughout our lives. But we have uh, four boys and uh, three daughter-in-laws and eight grandchildren, which gives us a lot of joy. Oh my gosh. So I have to take you through the chair of joy experience. So I've carried that chair around to about 40 cities, about a thousand people have sat in it. And I feel like I just tell the same story every day, all day long so that people can realize that the joy is what fuels you to that, to that, to those grandchildren, right? Like you start, you started with an idea and a concept and it feels like you guys celebrated over, over the time. So here's what it is really quick. If you don't mind, if you're, if you're in your house, are you, are you both at home? Yes. Yes. So just, Think about in your house where your favorite chair of joy is. Like, where do you go to hang out and just take a little minute, a little quiet just for you? Where's yours, Nan? The living room. Okay. What kind of chair is it? It is a club chair with a footstool. Love it. And Harold, where is yours? If you could pick one in the house. Does it have to be in the house? (laughs) Well, it does not have to be in the house. So right outside my house in my backyard, I have... An outdoor man cave <laughs> with a fire pit and <laughs> surrounded by beautiful uh, plants and trees in the background and music. And I have lights on the trees oh, and um, you take a tremendous amount of uh, satisfaction with, sitting there with a glass of wine at night. And that, that's like the payoff. That's the joy at the end of the day that keeps me going like I won't reward myself during the day. I know that that's coming at the end of the day. 
That's beautiful. And and the groundbreaking conversation we have on that is what if we did it more often during the day? What if we took some time to raise the vibration of joy in our bodies and our systems? What could that do for outcome and results? So let's continue forward. So your feet are on the ground. You're sitting both in your beautiful chairs of joy and you're just taking a deep breath. Think of the end of the day. Oh, what so many amazing things happen. And um, if you could tell me, both of you, um, what is one thing um, that you hear, Nan, when you're sitting in your chair of joy? Uh, the birds outside. Okay. And Harold, you told me many things you can hear, but I ask people to think about what they can see and hear. And then to take an ocean breath in, which is a wave breath of six seconds in and six seconds out. And I want you to both tap into one of your most joyful memories of your entire life. So here we oh, go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just, just one. Just land on one, one juicy one. So let's take it down with another more deep breath. That's a hard one. And land on one. And... Carol, do you have one? Um, I have many. And what I, I will tell you that uh, everything with my family, obviously, is, is of the utmost importance. But while you were talking earlier, uh, an image did come to me, and it keeps coming back to me even now. It doesn't mean to my family that might be watching, this is the best thing that ever happened. But no. as a result of our doing this program, mm -hmm. Sam Solaz, who's that survivor, the Holocaust survivor, and didn't miss a day of work up until he was 91 years old and died. Um, actually, it was a few days of work he missed because they had to carry him to the hospital from the plant. Um, lost everything in his life because your viewers don't know what had happened to him or his entire family. And we made this film and it had stages. And two years ago, it was in rough cut mode. And here where we live, the community gets together and uh, on Yom HaShoah, which is Holocaust Remembrance Day, and has a big uh, symposium, if you will, and 1,300 people show up. So I suggested, I'm on the board, I said, let's show Sam's story and have him there. He doesn't live here. He lives in Queens. And his family was kind of negating that eh, we can't what do we do he has to work it was a sunday he has to go to work and i said well you know he had this amazing life and we have 1300 people going to be here. i'd like to show the eight minutes that we have compiled well they agreed and during the course of it he was tearing through the whole thing and then he stood up and then they gave him a standing ovation so that was extremely joyful for me that we were part of making that happen for this man and his family recognized how important it was. And they were thinking, well, should we come or not? And to give him that kind of gratitude and that kind of joy gives, I can't express how much joy that brings. Congratulations, Harold. That is so amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. All right. Uh, Nan, did something come up for you? Did you land on one memory? Joined. I did. Okay. Um, my mother is gone about 34 years at this okay. point. Mm -hmm. And my father became mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, um, father-in-law. And for many years, he was, you know, he was the, um, the my children's only grandparent. And 
it gave me a lot of joy to share my family with him. And the moment that I can think of was he had, um, was it a Chevy, Harold, the gray car? No, the Buick. The Buick. Buick. He had an old Buick gray car. 140,000 miles on it. Anytime he would enter our circular driveway, he would be beeping his horn that he was there. And it gave me so much joy to see him. Blessings. That's amazing. So what normally I do is I ask you to do one more memory of joy, but because for time's sake and because we have two of you and I haven't done a lot of chair of joy sessions in duality. So if we could take Nan's beep, beep, beep from her father and Harold's Sam's uh, amazing transformation from his entire family of gratitude um, for you, what would you say the connecting word between those two memories are? One connecting word. You're going to have to, I don't know if you're near each other, but (laughs) if you could give the, the two memories one word and you can converse if you like. Sound. I had the beep, 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 and you had the ovation. That's a good one. That's a good one. The connection is um, an an enriched life because both of them, your father and Sam, had an enriched life. They both worked extremely hard. And the reasons, everything for your father was his family. And we learned that the reason Sam was had a, like a hundred million dollar company and had buildings all over the country, but the reason he kept working was for his family. And he and the other thing psychologically was that he could see his family there and no one can take him, them from him. So and that's why they kept going. On, on, a, on a small scale with the beep, 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 it was recognition. And for Sam too, in the event was recognition. That's beautiful. So I got three connecting words. So recognition, quality of life or enhanced life and sound. So we're going to put those all in a container. So let's put them in a container. What's the first? I'm going to let you pick the container, man. If you could pick a container to put these beautiful things in something physical, what would it be? It would be a red velvet box. Oh, lovely. So what I just did there was I took your intangible joy and made it tangible. So now it's in a red velvet box. And Harold, we're going to fly to LaGuardia. We're going to get off the airport and there's 10 airplane. There's 10,000 people there. And you two are there and you have this red velvet box. And they're scratching their head about this immense amount of joy that you just described that we put into this box. What could you say to them so they can start to understand how important it is to focus on what's important and uh, especially joy? Ladies and gentlemen, gather round. <laughs> we have landed. We're back home. And we're bringing the treasures of our life's experiences right to you in this little box. This is not the medicine man speaking. However, this is someone that is observant in all things. And our observance has led to what's important in life. And yes, it's important to go for joy, but understand what brings you to that joy. Welcome to our box. Awesome. Nan, would you like to add to it? You know, it was funny funny that you say that because we have uh, acquaintances. (laughs) uh, They have this box called the love box. (laughs) In the love box, they put all of their wishes. (laughs) And every few months, they go back to that love box. (laughs) They see if they fulfilled any of their wishes. And they put new ones in. They take some out. Love that. I love that. And is there anything you'd like to add, Nan, to the to the statement to the crowd? Because observance and how you get there to how you get to joy is really powerful. Thank you for that, Harold. Do I want to add something to the crowd? 
kindness. Be yes. kind. Look to your right and look to your left and see who you can help and how you can sh- and how you could share some light for them. Awesome. Whether it be someone getting on that airplane that needs a hand to hold or, you know, to squeeze when, uh, during takeoff or turbulence, be that person that can um, that can help. I love that tactile approach. All right. Last question in the chair of joy experience. If you could give that red velvet box away to someone today, who would you give it to? Mm. And you go first. I think I would I would give it to one of my sons, which I who I think needs it right now. Lovely. Lovely. And Harold? I would give it to (laughs) a couple people. One, I would give it to the uh, I would give it to my oldest son because the oldest son is normally uh, the, the, the oldest but a child is normally the one that is supposedly the one to lead the rest of the family. Yes. Um, and I would also give one to President Biden mm-hmm. to remind him, because I have concerns that, we, you know, the direction of the country, not forgetting politics, that we have to be reminded what it takes to succeed as a country, as a person, as an, a community. And it doesn't just come from handouts. And I'm very concerned about that, especially for the younger generation. Oh, I don't have to work. I get $300. I get unemployment. I get $300 extra. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. We will not be a country of accomplishment. So understand what's in this box. You know, these are not given. These are not, these are developed through the decades and years and hundreds of years and generations. And that's how we'll realize joy doesn't just come. Joy comes from exercise. Yeah. From, from the traumas, from the learning, from the wisdom to, you know, that's the triumph. And I think people should try to shortcut that, as you said. Mm-hmm. So thank you. That's the chair of joy experience. So you have your chairs of joy. Those are now your new chairs of joy. If you'd like to, <laughs> I suggest you try to get there two or three times more. Just a takeaway, Nan, if you could sit in your chair of joy three times a day, and if the world could stop and uh, take a pause and sit in their chairs three times a day, what might that do that for the planet, for our work, for entrepreneurship, for people's hearts, hopes, etc. I think it would give you time to um, smell the roses. And why would you want to do that? The world is bigger than you are. And it's okay to take a step back, to be comfortable in your chair. And to stop running around and searching, right? Like just to get very clear that joy is within. Mm-hmm. I love that. How about you, Harold? Well, it's interesting because this morning I read uh, an article in Inc. Magazine about Warren Buffett and what his day is like forever. And he, <laughs> and he has a comfortable chair. I don't know if you've ever heard this. He really has, oh his, own, <laughs> he has his own comfortable chair in his office. And he sits in it, he reads six hours a day, and he thinks one hour. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine that? And who sits and thinks? Like today, my, my uh, earphones weren't working. when I go uh, over an hour walk every morning, and they weren't working this morning. So I had to be with myself and thinking. Crazy, right? But there, he, he, there's, look, at he's 91 and he's still brilliant. And it, it, it gives you a power 
to sit in that chair, okay, it could be a physical chair, it could be the chair of, you know, communicating, it could be the chair of uh, journeying, and realize that you don't need the phone, you know, you, you could use, rely on your own resources and, and realize great accomplishment and realize great things in your life. You know, the, the people in, in Silicon Valley, guy, the guys and gals, the ones that have the Googles and all that, they send their kids to school that does not use computers most of the day. Hmm. And then to turn it off. That's, that's what uh, Sergi, Sergi Brin says. He, they said, how do you suggest people learn? And he said, turn off your computer. <laughs> I love it. I love the founder it. of Google. This has been very enlightening and profound, and what an honor to have you both, Nan and Harold, on the show today, talking about your joy, talking about the joy of the film, uh, Trauma to Triumphs, and I am so excited to continue to share this conversation with more and more people across the world. So, Nan, any final remarks you want to leave with us today? No, I really appreciate your kindness and your joy, and uh, I'm going to look at that chair very differently. (laughs) And Harold? Just that... uh, things are going to happen. You know, they, stuff happens and you, you could use that stuff to, to, as a vehicle to gratitude, appreciation, and joy, because don't let it stop you. You understand when I, uh, you know, a year, two years ago, three years ago, I couldn't walk because of my back and I healed without having an operation and every step I take, you know, I, I asked myself, would I go through it again? all that struggle, all that pain, because it's so enhanced the appreciation that I have every step I take. So, you know, in the Bible, it says first there was darkness, the first there was night, and then there was day. Beautiful, beautiful. That's it, everybody. Thank you very much. That was uh, really cool to hear. And for everybody listening, what's cool is we get to weave in and out of all of our emotions all day long. We get to have challenges and failures and successes and ups and downs. And at the end of the day, or even at the beginning of the day or during lunchtime, we get to sit down in our chair of joy and experience all the things that are going well, because when we raise the vibration of joy in our own lives, we're raising, raising the joy of uh, everyone on the planet. So thank you for tuning in and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. What a pleasure it was to have Nan and Harold Klein on the show today. Both are entrepreneurs who have dedicated their life to serving others through the power of persuasion, giving hope, and offering inspirational videos. Nan believes that kindness matters and that wherever you are, you can look to the right or left and likely find someone to help. Harold is an amazing observer, and together they know how to develop skill and talent and cinematography worth watching. Both are grandparents who treasure their chair of joy. Please do look for the movie Trauma to Triumph, The Rise of the Entrepreneur. You're going to love it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.